Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our Authentic series, which walks through the book of James, discovering how we can be a growing and maturing Christian. We hope this message will be an encouragement to you, and we'd love to hear how God used it in your life. So we're going through our series on Sunday nights again, Authentic, and last, last week we, uh, we heard Bob preach a great message from the earlier part of chapter 3, and so I'm going to finish up chapter 3 for us tonight. Uh, before I get started, I'm going to, I'm going to start us in a word of prayer. God, thank you for this night. We're able just to gather here. And Lord, we just thank you for your mercy and your blessing. And uh, I pray that you'd help me tonight as I preach, that you would help it to just be um, the words that you want me to say, that you would help us to learn from uh, James chapter 3, how we ought to live our life every day. We thank you so much, Lord, for just how you work in our life. And we thank you for your love and your the sacrificial love for us and the unconditional. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. So before I get started, I, just, I was just thinking about Rob's preaching and just so thankful that we have so many uh, people in our church who are able to preach and step in uh, to fill the pulpit, you know, to give Pastor a break and just really appreciative to be here. And I was thinking about you know, when Pastor said, that I've been here for two years. That's crazy because I remember I was just in college and we get like this uh, urgent message from our, our vice principal. He said, all right, if you're able to leave campus, you need to leave. And I was like, I didn't get to finish my senior semester on campus, but it, was, it just worked out that way so I could come here and start earlier. And I was like, Pastor, my two years is in April. And he said, well, we didn't start paying you in April, until April. So when March is your second year anniversary. I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. But, you know, just thankful for just to be here and serve, um, especially with the kids. Uh, I know uh, it's just been a blessing to me. And obviously, uh, I know as a staff, we're really thankful for the people in our church who step in and serve because honestly uh, we couldn't do without you and it's just so awesome like I guess as pastor preached this morning that we're a church family who is unified and you know we're in this together so just a little bit of background uh, we saw last week in the beginning of chapter uh, James chapter 3 writing that not many should become teachers because there is a greater judgment James goes on to write about how the tongue is something that holds a lot of power although it's a, it's a little member but boasts great things in the first part of chapter 3, James writes about how you should speak. You have the ability to either tear down or to build up. Uh, you cannot tame the tongue, then you will have trouble, trouble taming the flesh. I apologize for those on live stream because I'm about to walk off the platform. <laughs> if you watch the live stream and I'm, on the, and I'm on the floor, it's not good. So. But we see in James chapter 3, you know, in the first part, that James writes about these people that are becoming teachers, and he's saying, you need to be able to tame the tongue because it boasts great things, even though it's a little member. And if you're not able to control that, uh, you're going to be in trouble because whatever you say has a lasting effect on those around you. And especially if you're going to teach the word of God or have that responsibility, then you really need to be able to control that. And he even says in those verses that you can't and you need God's wisdom how many times have you heard someone say uh, people in Christianity are hypocrites or people in Christianity are have contradicting lives because they do not live what they preach? Sadly, there are Christians who have that testimony, and those who, un- those who are unsaved notice these things. And we should want to be Christians who have the testimony of reflecting the gospel and how we live and, and in what we say. We cannot claim to be Christian with our words if our actions are going to contradict it. 
So we, we cause nothing but harm when we say one thing but do the opposite. I have a quote on my Facebook page that says, you may be the only Bible that someone will ever read. And that quote holds a lot of weight because, you know, your testimony, our testimony, says a lot. Some people, they, they don't even go to church because they see Christians living a life that is contrary to what a Christian should live. And we don't want to be that, those people who drive others away from God. And we as Christians should be desperate for wisdom from above and not an earthly wisdom that will cause disorder. I'm just going to read these verses right here if you would follow along with me. James chapter 3, verse 13 to 18. It says, Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if you have a bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where every envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Now, I was thinking about this when I was reading it about how your life really matters if you are, whether you're applying godly wisdom to your life or earthly wisdom. And the life of Paul was on my mind recently because I just, re- I just finished doing a devotional with my girlfriend in Acts. And so as I was studying uh, this message, the life of Paul, it came to my mind. Like, hey, Micah, which way is Damascus, that way or that way? Oh, it was that way, okay, thanks. So as Paul, we know, we know the testimony of Paul, right? He was on his way to Damascus, and, you know, as soon as, as, soon as you heard me say Paul's testimony, you kind of showed me off because, like, I've heard this so many times, but bear with me. So Paul, he's going to Damascus, and he has an encounter with Christ, right? And he was the one who was on the way to persecute. He was, on the, he was the one who was going to arrest people and throw Christians in prison. He had to get permission uh, from the high priest to do such things. And I just think of the life of Paul because, you know, you don't see change like that without Christ, and you don't see someone do some uh, great things for God like Paul did if he wasn't using God's wisdom. And we see that the way you live your life matters. You know, as Pastor preached this morning, uh, you, you are Christian, but are you being led by the Spirit? Are you being led by the Spirit to make those wise decisions that truly have effect on all those around you? We as Christians should be desperate for that wisdom that Paul used. It doesn't matter. It does matter where your wisdom is coming from. And James gives us a warning here that if you are living life with wisdom not from above, then the fruit of that is confusion and every evil work. Do not be deceived into thinking that you can depend on earthly wisdom to help guide your speech and how you live. And so the ver- the first part of chapter three, you know, as James writes, he's saying you can't tame your tongue. It brings all this destruction. It's kind of discouraging a little bit, but. You know, James doesn't leave us on a cliffhanger. He tells us we need God's wisdom to control our tongue. And that's the encouragement. That's what James is trying to tell us here in chapter 3. So I want you to notice with me tonight from this passage why it is crucial where your source of wisdom is. If you look at verse 13, it says, Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom, Wisdom shows us how to do good works. 
Wisdom is not just the head knowledge. It's, this is what James has been addressing here in the last couple chapters as well. Real wisdom shows in our life. The Greek word there for, um, for lives or for conversation is anastrophe, which can be defined as manner of life, conduct, or behavior. Paul uses it in Galatians 1.13. It says, For ye heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure... I persecuted the church of God and wasted it. So Paul says, you heard of my conversation. Before Christ, Paul's manner of life was not good. Before Jesus, Paul's manner of life or conversation was persecuting the church. In Ephesians 4.22, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. And so this is just getting us a better picture of that word conversation in James Three, in verse 13. It's a manner of life. How do, you, how do you have a good manner of life? It's not depending on earthly wisdom, but depending on wisdom from above. So James is writing, who among you is wise? One who has a good manner of life and his works are done with meekness and gentleness. That comes from wisdom that is above. Is this the kind of wisdom that is accessible to all of us? Yes, it is, because earlier in James chapter 1, he writes, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that give it to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. So this means that for all the believers here, our source of wisdom never has to come from the world. We have no excuse. Our, our wisdom doesn't never, never has to come from the world because we have God's wisdom every single day. If we're not doing that, church family, then we are probably having a hard time controlling our tongue and not having good conversation or manner of life. It should be our desire to have a good conversation, as Christians, to have good conversation wherever we are. It should not just be inside the four walls of a church building, but something that we should be exemplifying no matter where we are. Because God gives us his wisdom so freely, we have that access every day. And it's going to show in your life if you're depending on God's wisdom or earthly wisdom. And we, we need to be cautious. We're not supposed to just come to church and put on a facade and say, yeah, I'm a Christian. But then when I leave church, people say, that's not the way a Christian should live. In the heart that says, I want to honor God with my life today, or the heart that says, I know what is best for me, and I want to be selfish. You know, we don't just accidentally use the wisdom from the, from the world. We don't go, oops, I grabbed, I grabbed out of the wrong jar today. Um, let me try again next time. Let me wake up tomorrow morning and pick out the right wisdom. No, we, are, we, we make that choice consciously. Did you know that people will be able to tell? This is what James is saying here in verse 13. If your life is the opposite of someone who has good conversation and having works being done in gentleness, that means your life will show fruits of operating with worldly wisdom. And that isn't a pretty picture as we learn here in the rest of chapter 3. Proverbs 3, 7 says, Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. We can't have our feet in both sides tonight. You're either going to choose when you wake up to serve God and depend on his wisdom, or you're going to go to this side and say, I'll do what I want today. And we all know what happens when you pick the wrong choice, right? You have a, you have a pretty rough day. It seems like nothing can go right. Nothing you, ever, nothing you say or nothing you do is, is going to be good enough because we know that earthly wisdom brings disorder. 
You know who wants to, you to avoid living your life depending on God's wisdom? Satan. If Satan can deceive someone to live dependent on worldly wisdom, he knows that he can ruin a person's testimony. And don't miss this tonight. Satan is out to destroy you. Luke twenty two thirty one, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan had desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. In 1 Peter 5, 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he, whom he may devour. I like putting my name there in Luke twenty two thirty one, And the Lord said, Carlos, Carlos, behold, Satan had desired to have you. And that's true. You know, Satan isn't taking days off, right? Put your name in that verse. He's, he's after you. Uh, if you're a Christian, you have a target on your back. Satan doesn't want you to wake up and live for Christ because he knows that just one person, that one person who stands up for Christ and lives a life dependent on God's wisdom can do great things. Just think about what Paul did, right? Paul, uh, when, when, God, when, or when God told Ananias, hey, go, go, tell, go help Paul, and Ananias, was, he questioned it, right? He said, this is the guy who was coming to persecute us. And, and God said, go anyways. And so we know that we are able to do and make a great difference just as one person. The difference is, are you willing to? Are you willing to wake up every day and be that difference? And so we see the first part here in, verse, in James chapter 3, how good works helps us. And then secondly, from verse 14, we see that there's a dead wisdom. If you look down at verse 14, it says, but if you have bitter and bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. In verse 14, James writes a bitter envy and strife in your hearts, which is the opposite of meekness and wisdom in verse 13. We are not to glory or pride in our selfish ambitions. Nothing good ever comes from living with selfish motives. James is writing to those who deceive themselves into thinking that they are so wise, but they are not wise at all. That kind of wisdom does not come from above. Look at verse 15. James says, this type of wisdom is earthly, sensual, and devilish. That's heavy because we know that nothing good could ever come from that kind of wisdom. It is a recipe for disaster, and there are too many Christians who are relying on that wrong wisdom and deceiving themselves that they are wise. It's kind of, it kind of reminds me of the Dead Sea principle. So the pastor's actually been there before, the Dead Sea in, in Israel. So Dead Sea, uh, like the Sea of Galilee, it flows in. It's fresh water, it's good, but nothing comes out. There's no good outflow at the, at the Dead Sea. That's why it is dead. Nothing can live there. Nothing prospers. But all the, all the good stuff comes in, but nothing good goes out. Same thing for our life. You can sit in a church pew every Sunday, every Sunday night, every, every midweek service, and you can be soaking in all the good. You're like, man, I'm doing great. I'm doing so good. I'm in church three times a week or whatever, and I'm soaking it all in. But if you're not applying it, if you're not using it, then you're the Dead Sea. If I'm not applying what I'm learning from God's word, if I'm not outpouring it, then I'm the Dead Sea. And so it really takes application, just like James writes in, earlier in James, you know, don't be a hearer of the word, but be doers also. 
And that makes a difference because he writes about the demons. They know. They even know. They know about the word of God. They know who God is. The difference is if we're going to be doers of it. I saw this, uh, or look, yeah, I would say here on Sunday night that the majority of us want to, to want to live with God's wisdom, right? The majority of us here want to live with the right kind of wisdom, but don't get caught in the trap that you are the exception, and I won't get caught in the trap that I'm the exception. I saw this quote in a commentary that I was reading. It says, this wisdom that James referred to was not really, earth, or really wisdom at all. It is the wisdom claimed by the would-be teachers of James 3.14, whose lives contradict their claims. Such wisdom evaluates everything by worldly standards and makes personal gains life's highest goal. Let's take a look, closer look at the wisdom James describes here as earthly, sensual, and demonic, because it will give us a filter to use when we are examining what source our wisdom is coming from. If we are able to check any of these boxes in our wisdom, then we must ask God to forgive us for using such things. Earthly there in verse uh, 15, it's having this life as the only view or the main one in priority. If we filter our decisions, why are we doing this? Is it because God wants us to and God says it's wise or is it because I have this life in view only. You know, as Christians, we should not be living with earthly focus, but a heavenly focus. And there, that second word, sensual, or yeah, sensual. In Corinthians, the same Greek word is, uh, for sensual here is translated as natural talking about the natural body. The teachers that James is writing about are those who are foolish and their wisdom is earthly and natural, which is opposite to spiritual wisdom. The word devilish there, the Greek word is defined as resembling or proceeding from an evil spirit or demon-like. Uh, this wisdom is the exact opposite of a God's wisdom. And James is writing here that this kind of wisdom of teachers we're having is a huge red flag. And he's saying to be on guard. What, is, what does that mean for us? We should, we should not listen to those who are teaching with the worldly wisdom. Verse 16 is the fruit of human and earthly wisdom. The wisdom of the world, the flesh, and the devil may be, the, may be able to accomplish things, but always with the ultimate fruit of confusion of every evil work. If a bunch of Christians are being deceived by earthly wisdom, there will be disorder. Uh, you ever wonder, you know, when you come into a church especially, why, why is there fighting? Why is there disorder? That's even people in the church who are not relying on God's wisdom, but earthly wisdom. You know, we're... Before pride, with pride there comes contention. There's always butting fists because people who are prideful, they're not going to be, they're not going to be humble. They're not going to be do, uh, living their life with meekness. Verses 14 to 16, we're able to see the kind of teaching and wisdom that we should avoid and not allow to influence our decisions. And verses 17 through 18 tell us about the best wisdom. This all ties together with the earlier part of chapter three to those teachers in James who could not tame their tongue, it is because they were dependent on the wrong kind of wisdom. And if we want to tame our tongue and control our speech, we must depend on God's wisdom because if we do not, we'll be just like those teachers who lived with selfish ambition. You know, some, we wake up and it's hard sometimes, right? You've had a rough week. You kind of like, man, well, I've been doing so good. God, I think today I'm just gonna do whatever I want today. You know, we have to make that decision every day. You know, just in Romans 12, 2, or 12, 1, that 
we are a living sacrifice. And, you know, pastors have given this illustration many times. You know, if you're on the altar, the bad, the bad thing about a living sacrifice is that it wants to get off the altar. You know, at, in the Old Testament, they would bring an animal to be sacrificed before God, and when they killed it, it wasn't going to get back up. But with us, since we are dead, you know, our old man is dead, but we like to get off the altar sometimes. And I love what Pastor uh, preached about Lazarus. You know, Jesus didn't live, leave Lazarus in the grave clothes. And he said, we as Christians, sometimes we like, we like to be stuck in those grave clothes. And if we aren't using God's wisdom, if we aren't asking God to help guide us every day, then we're just stuck in the grave clothes. And a Christian who's stuck in the grave clothes, they won't have impact. Not to say that God doesn't love you or won't use you, but if you're going to willingly step into that lifestyle of earthly wisdom, then you're going to be stuck in the grave clothes and you're not going to be able to prosper as God would want you to. We see here in the verses 17 and 18, if you would follow along with me, it says, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure and then peaceable, gentle and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. And this is a living wisdom. This is a contrary wisdom to what James is talking about in the, first, in the last few verses. We see the fruits of earthly wisdom. Nothing good comes from it. And that is very evident in these few verses we looked at. Now we see the fruits of someone who depends on wisdom from above. As James was referring in, uh, to in verse 13 about someone who has good conversation and their works are done with meekness and wisdom. You know, you can really tell if someone does something for you and they actually care, right? We shouldn't be helping people or serving people to gain from them. You know, in Corinthians, um, Paul's talking about gifts that God gives you. And those gifts weren't for them to benefit, but to be a benefit to others. If you do your good works with the wrong heart, then it's not done in meekness. It's not done with the right wisdom. And James helps us here. He gives us a guide on how, what the fruit is of someone who's living with that wisdom. You cannot have the fruit of meekness if you're relying on earthly wisdom. The character of this wisdom is wonderful. It is full of love and a giving heart, consistent with the holiness of God. Did you know that you can also live a holy life? You know, God says, be holy for I am holy. We have no excuse. If we want to, you know, we're not going to be perfect. We're going to make our mistakes. We're human. We mess up. But we don't have to just keep, we don't have to sin, sin and sin. You know, as a Christian, we should strive to sin less. We know that we're not going to be sinless. But if it's in your heart's desire to truly follow Christ, you're not going to just want to do whatever you want. You're not going to be Romans 6. Uh, shall we continue in sin that grace abound? God forbid. You're not going to just want to wake up and make the wrong decisions. If you're doing that, then you're not truly going to have a fruitful life that James talks about here. And this word, um, this is a kind of wisdom that edifies. Having wisdom that is pure means that there is no sinful motive behind it. Remember the ones who were teaching with ungodly wisdom and had selfish motives, they were full of bitter envying. The word peaceable there is the opposite of disorder and the confusion that James writes about earlier in this passage. Gentle, I, I saw this quote. It says, this man who is 
the man who knows when it's actually wrong to apply the strict letter of the law. He knows how to forgive when strict justice gives him a perfect right to condemn. It is impossible to find an English word to translate this quality, and someone says, a sweet reasonableness. And it is the ability to extend to others the kindly consideration we would wish to receive ourselves. You know, the, when, you're, when you're relying on earthly wisdom, you're not going to forgive people. You could, say, you could say, I would never forgive them for what they did to me. And then you think about it. You can't have that attitude as a Christian because think about the forgiveness that you have in Christ. You would say, oh, man, you know, I'm not that bad of a person. You know, I've done a couple bad things, but no. If you're, if you're relying on earthly wisdom, you're just going to be full of bitter, full of envy. And you can't be someone who's gentle if you're, if you're not relying on heavenly wisdom. We have no right to say that we would never forgive someone. We would never, uh, we would never give them that forgiveness. But then let's reflect on our own life and think about the forgiveness that we have in Christ. Man, I don't know about you, but when I think about my life, I'm like, I'm like God, thank you so much for your forgiveness because without it, I would just be in hell. And there's no time for envy and, and bitterness in your heart tonight. There's people that are dying and going to hell, and we don't have time for that. We have to be Christians that are willing to be a witness and be an example of Christ. You know, you can have, someone could do something to you, and it can be bad. But wouldn't it be better for you to reach out to them, to witness to them instead of giving them the cold shoulder? Have you ever hurt someone's feelings? Would you want them to forgive you? And that's what James is saying. We would want to have that same forgiveness. That word easy, the phrase easy to be entreated, another way you could phrase this is easily obeying. Ooh, that's a tough one. That's a very tough one because in our flesh, we, we say, you know, I think I'm going to do what I want. Especially, you know, growing up from a kid, being an adult, you, have, you still have to obey. You, there's, there's things that you still have to obey, and we don't like to obey. I know that's why I got a lot of spankings when I was a kid, probably. Right, Mom? Don't say anything. <laughs> you know, we don't like to obey. It's, it's, it's not in our... It's not what the flesh wants us to do. The flesh wants you to do uh, whatever you want. Are we easily obeying tonight? Are we using the right wisdom that causes us to be easily obeying? It really does take wisdom from above to easily obey, doesn't it? If we were to live our lives using earthly wisdom, then we would have a hard time obeying, especially obeying what God would want us to do. If we really want to be used by God, if we want to obey what God wants us to do, uh, God doesn't really work in the way that says, hey, God, can you show me what the next 10 years of my life will be like? Nope. He said, just trust me and walk and step out by faith. Uh, it's stepping out by faith for a reason because here you are. You want to know what you, what you want to do. You want to just take a leap, but God wants you to take steps, steps of faith. I was not going to jump off the platform. Don't worry. <laughs> but if we as Christians, aren't obeying, how can we obey God? And we're not going to obey in any right way. In that word, the, the phrase there, full of mercy, it just reminds me of how much of a merciful God we have. You know, if you're relying on earthly wisdom, you're not going to have any mercy. 
You're gonna be the you're gonna be the person who is harsh on everyone and judges them and puts them down. But even our Savior, he lived he lived, he walked this earth with so much mercy. It reminds me in Ephesians two four, but God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us. I love that He's rich in mercy. Are are we rich in mercy tonight? If not, when we have to really check what's going on in our own heart. This verse in Psalm, I, I skipped it, but I want to read it. It says, Psalm, in Psalm 19, 14, it says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. You know, that should be a prayer request of ours every morning. Do we desire every day that our actions and our words be acceptable in the Lord's sight? You know, a lot of times we, we say without thinking. And I know it could even happen to me, like, you just say a joke, and then, oops. You say something to someone, oh, man, I shouldn't have said that, and it's too late. And as Rob was preaching last night, you know, you can't get those, you can't get those, or sorry, last week. He get, you can't get those back. That's why we have to be, we truly have to rely on the Lord's wisdom in this life. A living wisdom will display such great mercy just as our God has extended so much mercy towards us. You know, the, the Bible says that his mercies are new every day. Man, we need God's mercy in our life. Where, where would we be without the mercy of God? Well, it wouldn't be a pretty place. It wouldn't be a great place without God's mercy because truly he gives us so many chances over and over again when we don't deserve it. That's, just the, that's God being rich in mercy. Pastor said that he doesn't just run out of it. Oh, sorry, I'm out of, I'm out of uh, mercy today, or I'm out of grace today. And the tank's on empty. Being rich in mercy means that he never runs out. And if you're struggling tonight, if we're, if we're struggling to live dependent on God's wisdom, he's not giving up on you. You know, most, most of the time when we feel that God is distant or he's not there, it's not because he rent, he's away from us. It's because the way that we live our life, the way that we choose to depend on a dead wisdom causes that to be distant. You know, if, we li- if we're living in the wrong, with, with the wrong wisdom, that's pride. And we know that God resists the proud. And it's not, it's not God's fault that we're living that way. He gives us the guide. He get, we, have the, we have the Bible, we have the word of God, we have the Holy Spirit to be able to make the right decisions. And then the, uh, the, the phrase there, good fruits. It's the way we are living our lives, producing the fruit of earthly or heavenly wisdom. It will show. James writes earlier in this passage, you know, faith without works is dead. You can claim to be Christian and, you know, God's desire for you isn't just to come to church and fill the pew. Maybe say a few amens and get out on time for lunch to get to the restaurant first. You know, you could, it's great to be in church. It's great to be around God's people. It's great to fellowship and be under the preaching of God's word. But God didn't desire for you just to fill up you. And it doesn't mean you have to be on the platform singing specials and being in the choir and uh, serving in front of people. There's so, many, there's so many areas that you could serve in. There are so many people in our church who serve and no one knows. But that's, they're okay with that. They're serving God. 
God gives us so much more purpose in the Christian life. And so many times we're just okay with the bare minimum. You know, as long as I can do enough Christian things to get by, then I'll be all right. But truly, that, is that really producing a life of good fruit? Is that going to be a life that's prospering and a Christian who is doing well? If any of us are struggling to depend on God's wisdom, uh, we, don't, we don't need to keep putting it off. The time to get right with the Lord is now. The devil's always going to tell you, well, you have more time. The devil's going to tell you, man, live your, live your life. You got, you got X amount of years. You got so much time to serve the Lord and then. And you, you got so much left to do. You can, you can do all this stuff. But what's that? That's dead wisdom. We know what happens when you rely on dead wisdom. Just think of, think of the prodigal son. That was not, that was not a, earthly, or a heavenly wisdom. That was dead wisdom. What did he do? Well, he took his inheritance, what his father was saving for him, and he ran and partied and wasted it all, and, he was, and then he, he ate with the pigs. That's a dead wisdom. That's where dead wisdom takes you. Dead wisdom is relying on yourself and not God. What, hap- what usually happens when someone in the Bible makes a decision without God? It's not good. I think of Joshua, who had to, he had to fill a great role. He had to take over for Moses. Uh, Moses, we know, was a great leader of the children of Israel. And they did really good for the first part. He asked God, he, he, he asked God, what should I do? And he says, just trust me, Joshua. And then they win this big, this big battle in Jericho. They have a great victory. And then the battle of Ai comes where it's a very small, a smaller city, not much of a worry for Joshua now and the children of Israel. And the Bible says that they didn't even consult God. And when they sent their soldiers to Ai, they, they, got, they got beat. Some of their soldiers died and they, they ended up losing because they were relying on a dead wisdom. So what happens when we wake up every day and we live with dead wisdom? Are we being effective for Christ? Are we able to reach souls for the Lord? No. We're just grudgingly walking through our day in the grave clothes. It's going to be very evident if you're walking every single day with the, with the dead wisdom or living wisdom. And that word there, hypoc- or without partiality, this is without uh, dubiousness, which is the wisdom that is certain and without doubting. A godly wisdom does not hesitate. A godly wisdom has nothing to hide and no impure motives. You know, think of impure motives. You know, think of the Pharisees in the, in the New Testament. They, they didn't ask Jesus questions because they cared what he had to say. Their motives were so impure, they were trying to get him to slip up so they could have a reason to kill him. All the motives against Paul in, in Acts, they didn't care what Paul had to say. They, were, they had impure motives. And I think it's funny because Paul was brought before so many kings and rulers, and they said, we have no idea why you guys want to kill this guy. And because their motives were impure, it was bad motives. And what is impure motive in our life as a Christian well, are you, are you serving in church because you want people to look at you and see how good you are? Are you just giving to the Lord because you want, you want to be looked like a good Christian? And if so, then that's not the right wisdom. 
hypocrisy. The teacher or Christian who use, who use a dead wisdom are Christians who are not authentic. If we are living a lifestyle that contradicts what the Bible says, then we are hypocrites. Man, that's very challenging because in this life, we are tempted to just, you know, do whatever we want. And if you're a professing Christian and you, you tell people, yeah, I go to church, I, I go to Bible studies, I do all these things, and you're out there making jokes with them or participating in what the world, the world does, then that's hypocrisy. But we can look at the Pharisees and be like, man, they, they walked with Jesus, they saw Jesus do all these miracles, and Jesus called them vipers and hypocrites. But if we are claiming to be Christian and we're relying on dead wisdom, then we're no better. Being a hypocrite is something that a lot of people like to say about Christians. And it's not because they just came up with the word and chose to use it. It's because Christians, they're not representing Christ like they should, like this morning. If we are representing Christ well, then people will get to see us and see, wow, they do serve a good God. But if you're, if you're living a dead wisdom, they're going to see, whoa, there's nothing really special about being a Christian because they're doing the same things I do. And a lot of people, they, they, they get turned away from God because Christians are not representing his kingdom well. And I, I love that message Pastor preached this morning because it has a lot to do with what James is writing about here. And we must go each day with a living wisdom if we desire for our actions to back up what we say or believe. Who here tonight, when you, when you look at these eight correct characteristics, struggles, uh, it would be impossible to do all of these in our own power. That's why we must rely on God and his wisdom to be able to display these characteristics. If we want to uh, have pure wisdom, peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. Man, well, thank goodness, as a Christian, we have the Holy Spirit, if you're walking in the spirit, then you'll sow the things of the spirit. And if you walk in the flesh, you'll sow the things of the flesh. It's, you know, sometimes we overcomplicate it a lot. Remember, James writes, if you're planting the seed of sin, it brings forth death. That's what happens when we use the wrong wisdom, when we walk uh, this earth the wrong way. The good news for those who are believers is that you don't have to try living all these eight things by yourself because you have Christ. You are the temple of God, and you don't need to be stuck in a wisdom that is dead. Instead, wake up every day and choose the freedom of having a living wisdom that only comes from above. And that verse 18 there says, and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace to them that make peace. You know, you ever been around someone that just makes you feel like, wow, like they're so peaceful, like they bring so much peace into my life? That's because they are walking with a, a living wisdom, not only is your life peaceful when you have a living wisdom, but you bring peace into other people's life. You don't want to be that Christian who brings frustration or contentment into someone else's life. You think that Jesus Christ walked this earth and, you know, besides the Pharisees, but he made people's life better. He, he had mercy. He had so much peace in the people's life. And we as Christians, we can bring that same peace into other people's life. Let's pray, bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, thank you for this night. Thank you for just the encouraging uh, verses here in James chapter three of how we ought to live our life every single day. 
I thank you, Lord, for giving us the ability to live every day with a living wisdom. I pray that you would help us tonight, Lord, if, if any of us here are relying on the dead of wisdom, that you would help us to get right with you and that every day we wake up that we would choose the living wisdom. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.